This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to an episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. Can you far now? <laughs> the boys did it. What's doing? Not much, mate. Just gearing up for prelim week. Another another week of finals footy that I love in a very, you know, special and unique way. I love all weeks of finals footy, but I love all of them differently. It'd be weird if there was one week of finals footy you just didn't like. Yeah, like, one that I, I don't care for week two. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like I feel like the prelim finals are usually across the final series the best games. And um, sometimes a, a a winning a prelim final can be Maybe maybe not as enjoyable as winning a grand final, but maybe a little bit. What's maybe a little bit different, a little, little more cathartic. What's winning a prelim final? What I don't do you know. Mean? Well, I just I, we've played in four hundred of them. We don't win them. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I hated that. I had to explain I forgot, that. I forgot that that concept may have eluded you. Yeah, what are we talking about? The, the, when you get to this point, you say, "Ah, oh, well, we tried our best. Better luck next year." <laughs> But we, they can't hurt me this week, so I'm actually really looking forward to prelim week for the first time in a, in a long time. So that's good. So this is uh, our first pr- uh, prelim week without South since uh, 2017. Yeah, yeah. Bloody hell. Yeah. Uh, we uh, Brisbane were in the prelim 2016, weren't they? They were, they were in at 17 as well. Yeah. So there was never been a. This is the first year of the show where there hasn't been a team on the show, not at least in the prelim. There, there you go. go. Yeah, because, yeah, no Raiders either. So, yeah, tough times, but I'm very excited. I used to used to be, I think this probably was my favorite week on the finals calendar when I was a kid every year. Like, these games are always great. There's so many iconic prelims we could we could talk about all day. But, uh, yeah, plenty of time to talk about the ones that are upcoming this weekend on Friday. For now, we've got to go back in time to last weekend. And, Nick, we did say in advance that the... Week two finals can really go one way or the other. You can either get a really good close game, or you can get an absolute smash up. We got one of each, which is yeah, nice. we did. It was no, it was nice. It was nice to be vindicated in that way. And um, yeah, you you were you were so close to hitting roosters by one exactly. I know. Wouldn't that have been something? If you yeah. count if you count being like successfully picking Lindsay Collins for front row yeah, Friday, what as a well, what a what a couple of hours for you. It was nearly course... nearly one of the great uh, predictions until Melbourne had to ruin everything. By, we'll, self, by selfishly, and some would say with great cowardice, winning hmm. the game. Will Warbrook said, no, no, Campo, <laughs> not today. Uh, but uh, yeah, how a, did the a, do that to me, bro? A thrilling finish to a very gritty and at times sloppy game, but a game that I thought was pretty enthralling. Like I was, I was interested throughout. Again, I, I'm not suggesting that this game was sort of played at like the highest level, though that both teams made plenty of mistakes. There wasn't a lot of great attacking play, but it was always kind of played on a knife's edge. And there was that level of tension throughout, which is kind of more important than anything else, really, I think, at this point in the season, particularly when you're watching as a neutral fan. And as the game as the game went on further and further, it, and when we got closer to the end, it did feel like it almost felt like a carbon copy of last week's game, right down to the, the, the team being four points up against the Roosters and taking the two rather than going for a try and then eventually losing by one. Like it was following the script down to the letter uh, until the very end of that game. And it's crazy now that this is a Roosters team that was written off a million times throughout the regular season who were one really fantastic play by Will Warbrick away from finding themselves in a prelim. And I think in the end that they can probably feel like 
they, they've let this one slip away a little bit. And I think, you know, I don't think you can really argue that given they were winning with a minute left. But yeah, I think this is a game that was there to be won for them. And I think that, that they'll, they'll, they might rue this one a little bit. Yeah, Trent Robinson said some interesting stuff after the after the game. He kind of said that he's proud of the team in in digging deep and making the effort to get through to week two, but he also doesn't want that to paper over the cracks of what has probably been a season of a little bit of underachievement for them. And he sort of went into that flowed on through through Friday night because I kind of agree with you. You know, if you're up, if like if you're up by if you're up by a point with you know less than two minutes to go, you should really close that out. But look, let's go back and start at the start. Mm. Um, Tyron Wishart just really stuck it up us, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, this is <laughs> like what once once a season you do this now. Like you had no one's asking you to believe in Corey Allen, and then earlier before this game, you said word for word, "Excuse me for not believing in Tyron Wishart," and then sure enough, it goes I, through. I have been ex- I've been excused. Yeah, and uh, he sliced through the the line for a fantastic try and. Yeah, I, I thought Melbourne started the game really well. I thought they had a lot of intent. They were physical. They they were winning the they were winning the yardage battle, and it took a lot for the Roosters to get back into it. But yeah, do you feel that the that, that Melbourne kind of left a little bit out there in the first half, especially like I think they should have been, you know, further ahead than what they were. I think Melbourne's control of the game almost directly correlated with the times Nelson and Sofa Solomon was on the field. Mm. Like he started, he they benched Harry Grant to start with, which was I, I, like, I understand what they're going for with that, but I think just given the, the, the way that they rely on sort of their best players as top heavy, like the, the top heavy nature of that roster, I would kind of want all their guys out there together as much as possible. Um, that's just more of a stylistic choice, but I did like them starting a sofa Solomon or something we talked about in the lead up that might really help them. And that sort of helped give them uh, an ascendancy in that first 20 minutes and their attack looked really good. There was a lot of really good ball movement, a lot of um, bodies in motion off the ball. You know, like that Tyron Wishart try, that's just him slicing through some some pretty lazy defence from Kiri and Smith. But part of the reason he's able to do that is because there's so many blokes around Where was around the Kiri him. going, by the way? <laughs> just shot I don't know. 15 metres out of the line. I don't know. But, like, there were so many blokes moving around him, not and not just on that play, but on the plays before that. You know what I mean? So it created... A one-on-one matchup that he was able to exploit with his speed. And I actually thought that that was one of the things that Tyron Wishart did quite well. Like he, he's not a halfback, right? He's a he's a he's a dummy half. But he was able to use some of his assets in unorthodox ways to just sort of suit the needs of the team in that position, mm. which was really good to see. You know, because if the if the if the Storm had lost this game, then Tyron Wishart turns into a meme player and it turns into, for the rest of his career, the first thing is, remember when he played halfback in a semifinal? And even even though it wouldn't probably wouldn't have been his fault if Melbourne had lost this, it would have been reframed that way. And it's the sort of thing that can follow a player right to the end of his career, mm. you know? So I was really happy that Tyron Wishart was able to shrug that off. And now, importantly, when we talk about him going for that field goal and hitting Tua Kamitha in the back of the head, <laughs> we're now laughing with him in that him. Moment and not at him, yep. you know? So that's that is... really nice to see. But then I felt like Melbourne kind of went away from the things that were working for them. They, they brought they brought a Sofa Solomon off, which I understand why, because they wanted to be able to like have at least two big stints out of him. But that, that to me was when the Roosters were able to sort of slowly claw their way back into the match because that coincided with Terrell May coming on for the Roosters. And he was excellent. Again, I thought he helped really, really turn the tide in the middle of the field, not just with his carries, but with his offloads and his passing as well. And you can sort of see how well um, 
guys like him and Fletcher Baker, who was really good in this game too, they were able to connect a lot in the middle of the field, really get some momentum going. And that's where the Brandon Smith try comes from, not from sort of overpowering forward stuff, just from really good link play from from solid, smart footballers like Baker and May, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, to mention another forward, I thought aside from the the two high tackles, Radley was fantastic again. He's been yeah really really good for them the last few weeks. I thought and he was I thought he was the best player on the field. He, he was right up there, and but he got the the balance of his running and passing. He got that really right again, and I thought he was more dangerous with his running game than he has been in a really long time. And like gave away a couple of penalties and had that one very visible drop off. Um, that was funny. What that was he doing was, back there? That was funny. What are, what are you doing back there, Vic? Where's James what are you doing Tedesco? Back there? Um, but like Radley, Radley sort of found that great balance in using his aggression as as a weapon, you know. And you could see that with some of the shots he was putting on. You could see with that with some of the second efforts he was making defensively. I mm. thought he was 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 really really strong. And it was again. I think you're right when you say that it was a little bit like last week because the Roosters just kept working their way back into the game slowly, 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 getting there, getting there, they're getting there, and then all of a sudden. We blinked and Lindsay Collins was was darting over and the scores were level and we we're like, oh God, it's all happening again. This is crazy. Yeah, it, it, it's a strange one. We, we talked about the back lines and maybe now with the benefit of hindsight, we did say that Melbourne had the edge, but we did kind of act like the edge wasn't that big. But I think now after watching it back, it, the gap was a little bit wider than we may have thought because I thought both Seve and Olam were fantastic. They really? were real difference mate. They were real difference mate, I thought I, th- I actually thought Olam I thought Olam was pretty poor especially defensively. I thought they really went at him. No, but they lot. they his carries in attack I thought was so helpful to them getting a roll on and stuff and that's what they've been missing from their backs more than anything else in the recent weeks. And then of course Warbrick goes up the ladder to score that try. Whereas on the on, on the other side of the ball the, the, Alga had probably his toughest game in the last few weeks where I think he's been really a bright spot for them up until this game. Corey Allen, what he, he was like running sideways every time yeah, he, he got was the getting ball. into space, stepping off his left foot. And like, instead of going North South, he was running East. He was, like, he was running routes. I was like, what are you doing? Corey? He's getting into, <laughs> getting into the flat to try and catch the top. I was like, yeah, uh, Jackson, a tough game. Momorowski didn't really get involved. So I, I thought that was the real difference in attack. Um, defense, different story, but yeah, with with ball in hand, I think Melbourne just got far more out of their back. They're, they're those two through five guys than the Roosters did. And yeah, well, Meany, Meany, and Woolbrick were both were both yeah. very strong. And Meany, Meany was not, you know, he gave them almost as much in attack as Tedesco gave the Roosters. So they they firmly won that battle. And then other guys for the Roosters, like Sia Wong's given them so much recently. He was very quiet, played about fifty minutes and barely touched the ball. I think. Uh, Egan Butcher didn't give them a whole lot either. Like they didn't get much out. We've praised Terrell May, and he was very, very good. Lindsay Collins, enough said. Front row Friday, well done. And Bing Bradley, bong. as we and Radley, as we mentioned, but they didn't get a whole lot out of their supporting cast in this one. Like they didn't really have any of those guys step up to the fore. And I think it was only through the Storms' wastefulness that the game ended up being as close as it was. I think that, as I said before, that Melbourne kind of let this game get away from them, and I think that. Once again, I, I didn't think Grant or Munster had particularly good games either. And when those guys are on, that's that's obviously the source of so many of their points. But I guess it's heartening for them that they can win a finals game with 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 all those stars not playing that well. But guys like Nick Meany stepping up massively, Trent Liero playing really well, Eli Katoa back not to his best, but much improved performance. And then yeah, as you said, Nas just so much went so much rode on when he was on the field, and the, those guys all lifted a bit. And I think that allowed. Munster and Grant. Again, they weren't bad, but they were just kind of okay. And that was enough in the end because those other guys were able to step up. And that's the thing that Melbourne have really been lacking in the post-Cameron Smith era, I think, is 
guys outside of their star players being able to be the hero in a game. And I wouldn't, well, I guess Warbrick is the hero in the end here, but a, a few of those guys that we've talked about already all played really, really well. And even Josh Kingwright has that really bad drop, but then a set later, he forces an error with a really big hit. And it's just little players like that that I think that held Melbourne in good stead. And I don't give them much hope of winning this week, but I do think that they will be a tougher matchup for the Panthers than the Roosters would have been. So I think as a neutral, it's it's better for us that they won this game. I kind of disagree with you, Reid, on this one, man. I thought I thought a lot of those Storm supporting casts were actually were actually well below their best. You know, I I, I felt I felt like. I felt like, yeah, they got, they did get some good yardage out of their back five, but I thought for the most part, a lot of those blokes were a bit disappointing. Like I expected more from Ulm. I expected more from, from Remus Smith as well, given the football that they've played in the past for the storm, you know, but it's an interesting point that you make about Munster and Grant. I think Grant is kind of struck. Like he's still playing great. He's still the best hooker in the comp and all that sort of thing. But I think for the first time in his career, probably since, or probably since the season at the Tigers, He's playing behind a pack that isn't always going forward and it's giving him the shits because he doesn't really know what to do. He's just so used to having that great platform to, to work off the back off, you know, and he still had some great plays in this game. I think he had that line break in the, in the second half. Yeah. It was. And Eisenhuth's the guy in support. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> I thought he was going to go for a second. <laughs> so that's the thing. So I, I think that's just a, that's just a, that's just an interesting wrinkle for, for Harry Grant, something that he's going to have to sort of, get a little bit of a better handle on is like playing, playing behind a pack that isn't always on the front foot. But thought what was interesting about Munster is I thought he was trying hard in attack. He was trying hard to get stuff going, but it wasn't really happening. But he, I, I, it was clear that he felt like he had to stay in the game as much as possible. And he did that more defensively mm. than in attack, I thought. And I, it was interesting to sort of see him bring the, the energy that he always does, but just in a, in a different way, you know? So that was an interesting thing for me. It was like just just a different sort of of Cameron Munster than we than we usually got. Do we want to talk about the no call on the high tackle at the end? What's doing? What, what is what going is on, Ashley? Like, so he he might have ref his way out of a grand fight, and it's I guess it's for the I guess it's good that the two really heinously bad calls one was on each team, so it kind of evens out. But of course, uh, like a blatant knock on in the first half. It's just completely missed by him. And then I think, did Melbourne score that set after after he missed that? Uh, so they get a penalty later in and that. Then, they get a penalty and then score on the, on yeah, the, which on the ensuing that's, set. How do you look at that and not immediately think that's a knock on? Like the, the, like the, the way that he, the way that Grant has to like grab at that ball, the way he clearly uses the ground, like you're staring at it. How can you ever, like just lean on the side of what's more likely and just rule a knock on. And if he really doesn't think he's knocked on, they can challenge it. But you like, Jesus Christ, that was a horrific call. And then, yeah, the one at the end, like he hits him flush across the face. And I understand that it, I, I was flying up about it, but it, I know it's that old thing where the bunker can't intervene unless it's reportable. But like that to me is ridiculous. Like he's been hit in the face with a blatant high tackle that's going to decide the game unless Warbrick goes up and gets that try. But if, if Grant had stayed down, it would have been a penalty. Well, he did initially, and then the ref told him and to then, get up. And then, like, and I, you could tell that he wanted to, and then he, and then he just, he just couldn't bring himself. He couldn't bring himself to do it. He got up and sprayed Klein instead. And I'll tell you, man, like that sort of it really put the storm off because, like, the two plays after that are like blindside rushes, and it totally fucks up any chance they have of kicking the field goal. And it's only the great kick from Munster and the unreal finish from 
from Warbrick that sort of saves it, that sort of saves him. So we end up in the place where we should have, because it absolutely should have been a penalty and the storm would have kicked it and won. We just took the long way. We just took the, the long more way. more exciting there, way. Know? Yeah. But yeah, uh, I, if you're a Roosters fan, I don't know what, what you grade this season because halfway through the year, you're like handing in your membership and, and getting your swan scarf out of the cupboard, but you end up making the second <laughs> week of the finals and nearly winning. But as I said, they probably feel like they got the latest one get away from them a little bit. So how do you how do you rate this season if you're a Roosters fan, given you went from the lows of like, we're shit, we're not going to make the finals to, oh shit, we did make the finals and we knocked out the team we hate the most in the last week of the season doing so. But then, oh, well, we made it to the second week of the finals and probably should have won. Yeah, I think you, because of sort of the extremes they've been through this season, I think you have to give it a pass. But it's like a very, it's very much a, you know, I haven't studied for the test, but I've somehow blagged my way into a passing grade type yeah. pass, you know, because it just feels like it took them so long to figure out what their best 17 was and the way they wanted to play and sort of connecting all the the, the the talented but disparate parts of their roster together. It just took them a really, really long time to figure out how to get the best use of Brandon Smith and for him to sort of start playing his best footy and, and took them a really long time to sort out Victor Radley and how to get the best footy out of him. And it took them a really long time to sort of like get a little bit of their attack together, even though it's not like they've been putting up a thousand points each week, you know, mm. in the end, they get a result that you, that, you know, for any, like for any other club making the second week of the finals with a win is like a, a pretty good season or for some clubs, it can be a real, real high point mm. for the roosters. It's I, it's all like that stuff's almost like a bonus. And, and I, because I think some of the things that they've found this year, some of the apparatus that they've been able to put in, if they're able to do that from the jump next year, then there's every chance that they turn into something closer to the, to the, like the true premiership contender that we've sort of picked him to be for the last couple of years. But I think for that to happen, they need Sam Walker to keep developing and they kind of need it to happen really, really quickly because I thought Walker was pretty bad in this one. And I thought he regressed and had a lot of the bad habits that he kind of had before he spent that time in reserve grade. Like I thought he was pretty frantic. I thought he was, he, he, he it was clear that he wanted to play off the front foot a lot, but it was almost like he was trying to play too fast. You know, mm. he threw that bad intercept to Christian Welch, which was just pushing a pass that was never on. I think it was later in that first half. He went for one of his big cutouts when they, if they'd gone through the hands, they probably would have scored. He was just like, he was just searching for the big play all the time, all the time, all the time. And he is a big play player. Like it's pretty crazy that he's played in five semifinals and in three of them, he's hit a go ahead field goal in the last 10 minutes. That is crazy. That's nuts, right? So he's got big plays in him, but you can't build the entire ship out of big plays. You know, you, you need to do, you need to do the the little, the little boring stuff along the way that leads you to the big play. And I think that's something that he's done. He did well against the Sharks and against the Rabbitohs, but in this game where they probably needed him to, to do that again, he just couldn't quite, he couldn't quite find it. And like, you know, it, uh, a, a, a halfback goes on a journey in their career and Walker was an early starter, but I think for next season, if I was the Roosters, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be pleased if there were more performances like this, you no, know, like fair. you can put up with growing pains, but at some point you need to see the growth to a, yep. a comp, like, you know, to, to justify the pain. And next year will be what his fourth year fourth in first phase. Did he? Yeah. 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 So halfway, it's, it's, halfway through 2021, right? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in Sam Walker and I'm a big believer in Sam Walker's ability, but it's time to sort of start working everything out, you know? 
Yeah. When, when, so. when Welch took that intercept, I was thinking front row Friday. <laughs> We're back. Go, Christian. You can get you can get there. <laughs> can you imagine? Uh, uh, intercept should be worth double. Let's make that a rule for next year. Deal. All right. Um, anything else to say about this one before we move on? Um, yeah, I think I think so. Well, again, we'll have more on the storm later in the week, so maybe a little bit more on the reason. What did you make of Brandon Smith in this one? Because uh, there's always so much. There's always so much talk about him. And well, I actually think that people have sort of been underplaying how good he's been over the last couple of weeks. What yeah. Um, I mean, initially I laughed at him for that first try, but then watched a replay and it was probably more curious fault than his, but still not great. But then in attack, he was the only one sort of giving them any sort of direction and any sort of any sort of thrust through the middle apart from apart from Radley. And that was, you know, shown with that try that he scored that was a really, really well taken try. Um, yeah, he's just been super physical for them on both sides of the ball in the last month or so. Something's really lit a fire under him. And I thought he played quite well in this one and that's the Brandon Smith that they were hoping they signed when they when they pulled him up from Melbourne in the first place so yeah he looked really good but again it, with him it's just a question of consistency isn't it like it took him a while to settle in and then he got the injury and he was sort of in and out of the team because of that and yeah the last month has been the best for he's played for the Roosters I think by a mile I don't think it's particularly close so yeah I thought he was pretty good in this game again I thought again along with Radley who you mentioned and and a couple other dudes was was the Roosters best comfortably Mm. He's he's an interesting player to me. Part of the reason I sort of fell in love with him when he first came through at the Storm and he was coming off the bench playing hooker is like he played footy like he was sprinting. Like there would be 30 seconds of all out crazy effort, but then his lungs would be empty and he'd walk around for a couple of minutes to fill them back up again. And that's exactly what he's turned back into. You know what I mean? Like he'll have a great surge, a 20 meter run or whatever. And then you can tell that he's just absolutely fucking exhausted and he's got to sort of get his shit back together. So it's always funny to see a player who's, you know, come a long way over the six years he's been in the NRL or whatever to just like totally revert back to type. I always, I always think that's interesting, but is there, is there anything else you want to go on the storm? Cause I feel like we've actually talked more about the roosters than we have about the team that won the bloody game, which. Well, I mean, that's, that's always that's how we've done it for the finals, right? Cause we, we get to talk about these guys more during the week. Again, um, I'm really not sure how this forward pack's going to handle match it with Penrith next week. Yeah, that's the that's the that's the tough part. And like, I think even, they, they, even if they start Nas again, yeah, he can't play they, eight minutes. And they really try and turn it up for the first twenty. Like mm. Penrith are bringing the dogs off the bench, man. You know, like they're gonna. It's going to be a consistent eighty minute effort from yeah, them. Yeah, I, I praise a few of those guys who I think dug deep and gave them as much as they have. But even if guys like Josh King give as much as they have against Penrith, it probably won't be enough. Mm. Which is my main concern for next yeah, week. I think it yeah. could be a bit of a bit of a tough one for him. I do want to shout. I do want to shout out um, Will Warbrick, the brick, yeah. the brick with tries, the the brick who flies, all that sort of thing. Like, I think he's really improved as this season's gone on. I think he's someone who like has gotten that exposure to the top level and has shown he's up to it and has been steadily getting better and steadily improving. Um, I really like the intensity that he that he plays with, especially on uh, with his yardage carries. It's clear that like. He's just a, a rugged, gives no fucks Kiwi who's here to knock stuff around. Um, but I don't know if he'd had too much sort of like spectacular highlight real plays this year. Like he's had some really nice finishes and all that sort of thing, but I don't know if he'd sort of had the chance to display his total athleticism and, athleticism and his skill that often. Because it's funny, man, they kick to Coates all the time, right? And Coates is, as we've said many times, is like blessed and cursed because you can jump up and be first to any kick, but he hardly ever hangs on to him. And it's like, mate, the brick's been there the whole time. 
<laughs> why not just why not just kick to the brick a little bit, bro? He'll he'll sort you out. He'll look. It's after a great you. effort to score. And then I, by the way, I was worried on that replay that it would be one of those, which I really do hate when there's like a contest for a kick and it could and it could possibly bobble for like a split second and touch both people and negate the entire contest. I do hate it when that happens. I understand you have to call those knock-ons, but I've never been a fan of when that happens when you slow it down to like you know, one one hundredth of the speed and like the guy goes up to get the ball and as he's pulling it in, it might flick the fingertip of the defending player. And it's like, oh, well, that's yeah. a knock on then. I've never loved that. I know it's the rules, but I'm really glad that didn't happen because it was a great effort by him yeah. and a great well, effort to, it, to get the ball a, to the line as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a great take regardless because Palga really gets up there. Like Palga does. He did does really well. Does as best he can. But the brick takes it and then Palga's on him straight away and twisting through and slamming it down like that. Just mm. outstanding. Outstanding. And I guess... That's kind of the story of the game is even if you've not played that well in a one-on-one contest, the, if both players want it like an equal amount, the more talented guy is going to get it, you know? So yep. big up, big ups to the brick. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Let's move on to, look, you know, we, we, we were divided on this game, but I don't think we saw this coming uh, with the Warriors smashing the Knights 40 points to 10, a fantastic performance, a bumper crowd at Go Media Stadium. And they thought, you know, the the teams can go one or two ways in this. We see this all the time in every sport, fired up crowd, big, big occasion, an occasion that they're not used to that they haven't had in in the Warriors case. When was their last home final? 2008. Yeah. So in their case, a very, very long time. And sometimes, well, some teams rise to the occasion. And after 11 minutes of this one, <laughs> it was pretty clear which camp the Waz were in. And Jesus Christ, they were fantastic. Yeah, they, like it, it was such a contrast to last week against Penrith where they, they got knocked around early and you could tell that they, they weren't sort of trusting the things that they'd been doing all season. They went away from the stuff that worked. And this game was the total opposite. Like they came out absolutely sure of where they wanted to go and how they wanted to do stuff, you know, and they attacked that channel between Bradman Best and Greg Marju from the jump with really, really nice execution, you know, and that, that to me was sort of the hallmark of this entire game is the Warriors were able to sort of get the ball wherever they wanted it to go. I think all their, all their guys who get into first receiver a lot. So Dylan Walker and Sean Johnson and Tohu Harris in particular, I thought Harris was the best player on the field by a distance absolutely terrific from him but they were all able to get into first receiver really comfortably they all played really straight they all went deep deep into the line and there was just gaps and opportunities wherever they wanted to find them their structures were just so precise so well thought out that everything they did was so deliberate so direct and when you have a game plan when you have such a prominent plan a like the warriors do but it works there's like you're just loving life and they they just did the same things that have worked for them every year. You get they get Adam Fanua Blake a little bit wider than usual, running at that gap, which he's done so well all year. And they kill them on both sides of the ruck with those great, great block plays. And yeah, it was it was really heartening to see that through that first eleven minutes, they got a try on the right, a try through the middle, and a try on the left. And that's the sign of a well balanced stack, which they which they haven't necessarily been all year. Like they they haven't gone left a whole lot. I think we were looking this up the other day for some reason, and they were quite near the bottom in terms of left side attack. But in this game, they did a really good job, especially early on, of of, of mixing it up a bit and keeping the keeping the knights guessing and moving Caelan Ponger around as at at fullback. And your man Charles Nicolucci just starting the party after two minutes. So a guy that you, we just want the best for, who's 
been so good for them this year and but it just hits that hole brilliantly they they read that they read that play so well and yeah they it's just remarkable that this is the same team that basically went to Penrith last week and as you said just was so 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 off the pace and it was the the problem with the warriors in the last not not necessarily the problem but the the thing with the warriors that we were a bit hesitant about the last couple of months was yeah, they've been beating up all these bad teams, but they haven't really been tested against any of the good teams. And then the one time they were tested by a good team in, in Penrith, they, they lost and looked really, really out of their depth. But instead, they come into this game with a lot of pressure on them, big expectant home crowd against a team that hasn't lost a game since before Facebook was invented, and they, they beat the absolute shit out of them. It was, you could not be happier about this if you're a Warriors fan. Yeah, that's it. And it was a little bit like last week where the Knights missed the jump at the start of the game sort of did well to work their way back into it. But I feel like when they equalized just after half time, or not equalized, sorry. Well, when they we pulled, got within one, got within when one. They, when they pulled within a score, I I felt like the Knights felt like it was, it was just, just going to be like last them. week. Yeah. 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 And like, that was a problem for them last week as well. Like they got close enough and they, I think they thought. The pass that, from Clune was six meters forward. Yeah. I, I thought it was forward too. But um, I think they felt like it was all just going to start happening for them. Yeah. And they and they, they they just had like a lapse in concentration for a couple of minutes, and then the Warriors reply immediately through Walker, and then that's kind of God. That was that's kind I, of it, and that was a really soft one too because like he's Harris had a great goes, year, but God, that was soft. I know, but like it's so the 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 softness started even earlier because the Warriors get a penalty that gets them out of their own end. Second carry off the tap, Harris makes a break. Then there's one more carry. Then the next play, Walker just goes through that massive gap. And like Harris used some footwork to get past Kurt Mann on the break. And then Kurt Mann's the person who makes the bad decision on the trial line that lets Walker just sort of uh, gives him a saloon passage, as we like to say. Love a saloon you know? passage. And that's the thing. I like, I think the, 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 the loss to, oh, sorry, the win over Canberra last week clearly took a whole lot out of the Knights. It, it was a real, real struggle for them to, for them to get going. Mm. And then once the Warriors sort of saw off that, that last little challenge that the Knights had early in the second half, that's when it just, it just turned into a party after, yeah. that, you know, and like they were playing all the hits. Like they were, they kept going down that right-hand side. Uh, the Rocco Berry try I thought was really, really impressive. Great strength. Him, a great bounce back after a, a tough back. afternoon at Penrith for him. You doubted him. <laughs> I didn't doubt him. I just said he played bad. <laughs> it was very funny. I was, I was, I had to watch this game on delay because it was at a wedding and I had my phone on do not disturb until my mate, who's a Knights fan. I saw him look at his phone and go, fuck. And I was like, oh, okay. So the night's lost. Um, and at that point, I turned my phone back on. And the first thing I saw was a text from George Clark. Just let me know that Rocco Berry was was back. So it's <laughs> nice to know. The, how, how, how are the Berry heads going? Oh, mate, we're, we're feeling good. We're eating oh, this yeah? week. Oh, this mate, is... I'll tell you, what was going on at Mount Smart is nothing compared to what was happening at Berry HQ. Mate, strawberries, raspberries, blueberries, we had them all. Just, just <laughs> feasting. It was great. Uh, yeah, but like, they continue to just create a lot of really good stuff, particularly down down their right side, as they always do. Like we talked about Nickel Klukstad a little bit earlier. I think it's sort of a measure of him as a player that I think his passing is better this year than it's ever been. And he's shown he's really, really comfortable slotting in down that down that right side, which is really good to see. 300 meters as well. I think he's um he's kind of having a similar impact on the Warriors this year, like he did when he joined the Raiders. When he joined the Raiders, the the defense of the team improved almost immediately because mm. one, his communication at the back is just first class and two, like just his effort and his energy really, I think that re- it, it can really lift a team 
you know? And I think that's what's happened with the, with the Warriors this year. And like, you can see that when, when Nickel Cooks that when they, when they bundle someone to touch or when he holds someone up and like, he's a pretty sort of um, like a low key guy off the field, but when someone makes big defensive plays like that, he loses it. Like he's slapping blokes on the ass, he's punching, he them the, punching them in the face in celebration. Like it's great. And that's, that's the sort of energy that, that can, that has really helped the Warriors turn into what they've turned into, you know? Can we pay him to just follow us around in the offseason and gas us up for like menial achievements? Oh, mate, like, Chanks, Chanks Bro Incorporated. Yeah, he's car- <laughs> like you, you carry three beers back to the table without spilling a drop and he's there slapping you on the back, charhooing and stuff. That'd be great. But uh, yeah, dude, he he was he was fantastic. And again, it, it was, again, it's a really good team effort from their back five. Everybody ripped in. Everybody was there for some tough carries and their forwards as well. You mentioned Tohu. Awesome again. Um, and Fidel Blake had the try, but it was a couple of other guys that were doing the heavy lifting more so than him. Like Jackson Ford and Mitch Barnett were very, very busy as well. I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned Barnett because I thought he was really, really good. And I think he's been a bit of an unsung hero for them. Revenge game. Year. Well, a, a, a little bit, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And like he like he's he, he's not as good a passer as Harris and he's not as good a runner as Fanua Blake, but he's pretty good at both things. And it just sort of gives them a little bit like a couple more options and a little bit more sophistication mm-hmm. in the middle of the field. Um, yeah, so I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned him. I thought he was really strong. Yeah. And it, it was almost like Sean Johnson was telling everyone my calf's fine with the amount of running he was doing. I think he ended up with like 15 runs or something. Like he was very, very busy ball in hand. It wasn't, obviously it's never going to be old Sean Johnson, young Sean. Sorry. It's never going to be the Sean Johnson of old, which is young Sean Johnson, which is a very confusing sentence. Sorry. It's never going to be young Sean Johnson again, but he was very, very busy. He was popping up everywhere and I, I honestly do think a part of it was him just trying to prove to everyone that his leg was fine but thank god it was and thank god he played because he was instrumental in this as well and they although they, they were so good everywhere else that maybe they win anyway but he was just the conductor and just involved in so much of this stuff and i'm so happy for him i think part of the reason they were able to be so good everywhere is he just came in and he gave them that great structure mm. that they've played with all year um and i was really happy for him as well like it's no secret that he's one of our all-time favorites i think he's just about everyone's favorite. If someone said to you, yo man, I hate Sean Johnson. I would be not really trust weird. That's I would a... not trust that person. God. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but for him to sort of get this big game at home and get the standing ovation when he comes off and all that sort of thing, like, you know, the Warriors are going to be up against it in, in, in Brisbane. Like the, it's unlikely that they're going to win an, or, or anything like that, but getting a, a result like this, Johnson winning his first finals game in, in 12 years, it can like these sorts of games can almost vindicate an entire career. Because the rap on Sean Johnson always was, well, he can't win the big ones. He can't win the big ones, which has never been true because he's won plenty of big ones for New Zealand in test footy, but just no one seems to count that sort of stuff. Made a grand final. Yeah. You've got to win some big games to get to a grand final. Yeah. And I am am a bit of an apologist and I have made excuses for him in the past, but I'm just really, really glad that he's able to sort of shake that, shake that sort of shit off, you know, because he's always been, he's always been a better big game player than people have ever given him credit for. You know, and if they'd lost this game, then it's a bit like Ponga last week. If they'd lost this game, the knives would have been out for Johnson mm. in in a in a in a pretty vicious kind of way. And he is getting to the point of his career where every finals run could be the last one. So I was just really, really happy for him that he got to have this moment with with uh with that fan base. And it looked like Mount Smart was just like heaving. It was did you going see crazy. did you see the big fella who had the massive sign where he, we with which was just a screenshot of his flights that he'd booked for the grand final? Loved it. 
Fantastic. Their sign game is is so good. It is, mate. It is just leaving everyone else in the dirt. But like them singing the the club's the the club's song after the game when Johnson's getting interviewed, like that's just that's goosebumps shit, man. That was that was the vibes are off the chain over there, and I'm really happy for them. Like I think I've been guilty of not giving them enough respect at times this year. Like, but it's just great that they're doing so well. It really is nice. And look, it's like I like the Knights as well. I, I like a lot of their fans and. They've had a real fairy tale run to get to this point, but yeah, you got to be happy for the Warriors and their fans. It, it's such a nice story. With you know, it's been so long since they've been relevant, in, and there's just so many fans over there. And whenever they play anywhere, really, there's so many fans of theirs wherever you go. And it's just nice that they can have this moment. I think, like at home, thirty thousand people. As you said, last home final, two thousand and eight, like mm. fifteen years ago. So maybe we take these things for granted, Nick, when we when we just play in the finals every year and win finals games. So uh yeah, we 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 definitely we definitely can. We definitely can. Um yeah. but yeah, it's just a, a a really good a really good thing for them. For the Knights it was it was just a week too long, wasn't it? Mm. It was just a week too long, you know. And when Daniel Safidi got ruled out, I was kind of like that's not good. Yeah, that's a really that's a really tough one because if there's one team you need to be come and correct to quote to quote you with uh your forwards, it's the Warriors. So. That's right. Yeah, and yeah, it, it just it just sort of looked like the Knights had a little bit of trouble just getting anywhere close to the sort of footy that we've come to expect from them over the, over the last ten weeks or so, you know. And yeah, that 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 game against the Raiders definitely definitely took a toll on them. And they, I thought they did well in the back end of that first half to get back in the game, um, but then as then they kind of just lost their way again, you know. And I yeah. wonder if I wonder if. Uh, I wonder because they've been such a sort of like quick punch team, like one brings two, brings three, yep. or like like we talked about on the show. I wonder if they were just sort of expecting that to happen at some point, and they weren't sort of going through the steps to kind of set set it up. They didn't earn the right. Uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit. I know that's like like borderline it's a, boomer. It's such a good saying. It's borderline so... boomer chat, but yeah, that that that's kind of that's kind of how I was feeling on it, you know. Yeah, so I, I said that the, I, just a minute ago that I didn't know how the Roosters fans should feel about their season because of the rollercoaster promotions that they went on. I think that despite this game, Newcastle fans should feel great about this season. This was a season that looked completely dead and buried, and they honestly weren't expected to do all that much to begin with, but they have this fantastic run in the second half of the season, and I think that they'll really be able to go again next year. Like, Dom Young is a massive loss. I'm not arguing that. He's a fantastic player, and he's been so good so good for them this year and again i feel like we should petition city hall to stop him from going to the roosters someone ring someone ring the mayor yeah honestly but um like they'll be they'll have most of these guys back again next year and they're not they're not um as far like off the top they're not losing a whole lot rather they're losing Lockie fitzgibbon they're losing dom young i think that's about it in terms of their key contributors right the, the Adam Clune's leaving as well, but he's, well, yeah, he's, but that's he's, he's, he's if, if Hastings is fit, he's not playing anyway. Yeah, so. The exciting, the exciting thing for the Knights is they're getting two guys in next year. Kai, two more English guys: Kai Pierce, Paul, and Will Price. Kai Pierce, Paul is um, a back rower. He'll slot straight onto that left edge that Fitzgibbon has vacated. I think he'll give that edge even more strike than it already wow. has now there with Preston Marju. Like he's a big rangy thing, a tackle breaker, an offloader. Love a rangy back rower. Mate, you got to love a rangy back rower. He, you know what he does? He gets around the park well. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> but yeah, like he's coming in and I think that's a good thing because while, you know, Young and Marju were, were so good this year, I don't think you want to rely on your wingers scoring 70-meter tries 
over the course of a season, just because that's a hard thing. That's a hard thing to replicate all the time. Probably true. Young is a massive loss, of course, but I think Kai Pierce Paul could make their attack a little bit more well-rounded. Okay. And I don't know what the plan's going to be for Will Price because he's mainly played in. He's at Huddersfield now. He's mainly played in the halves. Mm. They seem pretty settled with this Gamble Hastings combo. How does our Huddersfield correspondent feel about him? He loves him. He loves him. Yeah, George is a massive, massive fan of them both. Um, they're also getting Jack Cogger to come back as well. So like, forgot about that. Yeah, that's there's good four depth. guys that's there the that's going to fit into two spots so. somewhere. But I, I feel like they'll be much better for this run. And I feel like the next step for them is going from a a a team of momentum. I know you hate that word, but like a team like the no, you I, can I th- you can apply it in hindsight when you're like looking back at games because they were a team that would well, target periods of a game yeah. to go bang 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 and score two or three yeah. tries i felt part of the reason the warriors were able to win this game is the warriors have practiced being a good composed football team almost mm. all season now right they're so well organized exactly just, exactly yeah. and the knights ha- over the last 10 weeks have been a little bit more um chaotic a little bit, yeah, and that 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 and that's that that shouldn't come across as a criticism. That was just sort of the style that they were playing with. Mm. So the next step for the Knights is to practice being a good team every single week. You know, the only way a team goes from being good to being great is practicing being great all the time, all the time, all the time. And they've they've kind of got the cattle to do that. You know, they've they've got a team that is that is well organized in playing to its strengths. So mm. do that from round one instead of from round. 18 and then in a game like this when the chips are down and everything's against you your structures are more likely to hold up the way you play is more likely to hold up if you've been doing that all year yeah you know? and that's that to me is the next step for them and i think that's a step that they they might be capable of taking i think well, this run this finals run will be will be really really good for a whole whole lot of them I'm high on like 13 teams for next year. It's going to be very, it's going to be very Bro, interesting. Bro, I'm high, like every, every every February, I look at every roster in the league. And I'm like, geez, I like a lot of stuff here. Except man. the we're not getting high on the Tigers. We're not allowed. No, we're not. No, we're not letting ourselves do that. We're not allowed. Yep, 16 teams are making the top eight next That's year. That's right. No, 15, <laughs> I'm not getting high on the Bulldogs either. Excuse okay, me. You, okay. you will though. <laughs> um, uh, last round of NRLW. Uh, not a close game in sight. Five shellackings, unfortunately. Uh, the Knights kicking us off on Thursday night, clinching the minor premiership at Leichhardt Oval. Um, yeah, the, the Roosters blowing the Cowboys off the park. The Broncos doing likewise to the Dragons to clinch a final spot. But then we had the first ever 50-burger in the NRLW. We did, yeah. I think this entire round was a good indication that this league is not ready for further expansion. Let's not, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. like... You need to give it a couple of years for the talent level to kind of rise up a little bit because this was a very, very clear case of like the haves and the have nots. You know, like the Tigers, I thought they started pretty well against the Knights. They gave them a they gave them a good run for that first half, but then the Knights sort of championship qualities took over a little bit. And they even that was even without Jesse Southwell, who went off in the first half hmm. with an ankle injury that I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it was just precautionary. But even without her, they were able to sort of really surge ahead in the second half and then the other games were just were just processions weren't well, they you know I think it's interesting mate like the and you know we we always look at like ladders being close as a sign of a good even competition and there is truth to that I think to some extent like you look at this ladder and it's the exact opposite of that it's like in reverse order it's one win then two wins two wins three wins four wins five wins six wins seven wins seven wins eight wins that's the teams so mm. like there's a very very clear and visible hierarchy of teams and there's a very clear gap 
I think, in, in class between some of these teams. And I don't think that's good for the competition. I completely agree with you. They need to just stand pat with this for at least next year, if not the year after as well, and make sure we can get all 10 teams up to a reasonable competitive set and not just have like a Newcastle and the Roosters smashing everyone. Yeah, and I, I don't think we're going to see teams rise and fall as dram- dramatically between seasons as we have in the past because mm. a lot of clubs are doing multi-season deals now. Good, which and, is and not, the, and not just the yeah. one season at a time deals they were doing in the past. So I think everyone's going to settle down a little bit. I don't think we're going to see as much dramatic player movement as we have before, um, which is good because it gives it gives uh, players more time to play together. It gives them time to gel together. It gives combinations more time to grow and evolve. But then the flip side of that is it's harder for a team to sort of claw their way up from the bottom, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I agree with you. Like just leave it as it is, let it settle down a little bit and things will, things will work out. Okay. I, yeah. I gotta tell I gotta tell you, man, I thought the Raiders were going to give a much better showing than they did against yeah, the Titans. I was, um, got home on Sunday, Arvo, um, turned the game on, uh, it was nil all jumped in the shower, came out and it was 16 nil. And I was like, Oh, I and don't you don't, it wasn't a long shower. You, it like, <laughs> I did, I did make a note a, of that. I did drink a beer in the shower. So it was a few minutes, but uh, I, um, yeah, it was like, oh yeah, they're, they're probably not going to win by 12 here. Cause obviously at that point it's 16 nil, but that's really 28 nil because you've got to win by 12. So yeah. You know, okay. the ex, you know, you know, the, ex, the exchange rate is not something, it's not an area where I excel. No. Okay. Fine. But uh, yeah, not, not good from your beloved Valkyries there. No, no. And they, they kind of just got, they kind of just got manhandled, you know, that, that, the first two Titans tries were really, really soft, just plunging over from close range. And they just sort of brought a physicality and intensity that Canberra couldn't match, you know, at all. Mm. And like, I, but you know, I think the Titans, it was probably their best performance of the season. Certainly their most, their most composed, their most controlled, you know, they just looked really, really able to position their best players in the, in the places they need to be needed to be to really, really punish Canberra, you know, and, you know, maybe the Titans can be the team that either challenges one of those top two. You know, I think they're probably a little, they probably don't have the ceiling that Brisbane does. No, but Brisbane are a little bit more up and down, you know? So maybe just if the Titans turn up and play their steady, regular kind of way, puts the other team off a little bit, you know, hmm. like who knows? Who knows? But an, I hope so, mate. An impressive performance from, from Karen Murphy's side, I thought. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think, you know, still, despite this game, good, very good season, first season for Canberra. I think, yeah, they, they nailed a lot of their big recruits, all those star players you talked about in the preseason all played quite well throughout the season. And yeah, if they can get a couple more troops in for next year, they, they could be one of those teams to really try and break into that sort of yeah. duopoly just, at the just, top. Like, I think I said before, like, they'll do, they need more time together. You can yeah. kind of tell, you could kind of tell this year that they look like an expansion team. You know, I don't. I, it's not a coincidence. I don't think that the four teams that made it are the four, are four like much more well-established teams. You know what I mean? Like mm. starting new clubs is hard. Yeah, that's true. Just ask uh, the Dolphins. Fins up, baby. That's right. Construction. Go get it. You got it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to slow your brain. All right, Camper, we're back again. The final quarterfinal or round of eight matchup, as you like to call it. Uh, Thank God you, it's nearly over. Yep, yeah, that's uh, you have been an absolute curmudgeon through this process. 
it's not my fault that no one's as good as I want them to be. That's like, I want them to be the best version of themselves. And it feels like no one's even really trying. Yes. The Harry got is... a pass mark. The rest of them jog on. All right. Well, let's see if our next two contestants can earn the begrudging respect of Nick Campton. Let's go girls. Come on. She's done it all in the rugby league business. And now she's hoping to crack the code and discover trivia mastery. It's Pam, the Spice Queen, Waylee. Pamela, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know if I can earn his respect. Do I? Do I have to earn it? Well, Pam, you have my respect in literally every other. But you can lose life. it. <laughs> but this one, this one matters than all those other ones combined. You know what? I listened to Harry Ramage, and if he didn't get five from five. Um, did he get five from five? He got three. He only got three. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Harry, Harry's, he's really good at footy trivia. So I don't have high hopes for myself, but let's see how we go. Oh, come on, Pam. It's, it's don't night's, the night's week. Down, Pam. Come on. <laughs> and in the other corner. But you'll come back each time you leave. Cause darling, I'm a nightmare dressed like a daydream. She reckons this competition was tailor-made for her and is hoping for a swift demise for her opponents. It's M, the conductor, Sprouster. Uh, so, M, you're the only person who actively messaged me in advance to try and get me to write questions specifically catered to you. So, I do give you, <laughs> I do give you kudos for hustling. Well, Hello, look, I, and I, I, res- I respect cheating as well. Yes, I, cheating you know, is encouraged. I, cheating I, is the cheating is the gift we give ourselves. Yes, so I, I, I do know this. Yeah, I also cheated at my high school swimming competition. So Good. you know, we, we're all, you know, peas in a pod. I love, I love low key cheating. I think it's yeah, the best. It's great. How low, did you, how did you get a swimming carnival? Um, I I recruited obviously from rival yeah. from rival teams, but we were a ten team. Uh, ten yeah, house. ten houses at your school yeah. is wild. That's by insane. The way. I know it was a it was a very um, Americanized kind of concept of school in terms of like middle. But how school, many how many kids were in your how many kids went to your school? Oh, not that many. Only like maybe seven hundred or whatever. But oh, it was only, okay. So the house is tiny. Yeah, really tiny. Right. But we would do like all of the stuff in houses, not in year groups. Anyway, oh, so that okay that made it quite easy for me to grab like kids from other houses and just slip yeah. them into our red, you know, um, medleys and relays. Yeah. So Pam, we all, we all cheated at our respective <laughs> athletics slash uh, swimming carnivals by getting kids who like either weren't in that age group or didn't even go to the school in some cases to race in our relays and win. So. <laughs> My God, I just wagged. Uh, well, that's, that's the other option. Both <laughs> fine choices. But if you went to the, if you went to those and sincerely tried to win, you are a huge nerd. One hundred percent. The only like, the only way the only winning that's worth it is if you lie, cheat, beg, borrow, and steal. Like, la, 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 anything la. goes, man. And that's uh, why I am a Melbourne Storm supporter. That's Ayo. right. There you go. There we go. <laughs> uh, so this, yeah, I mean, we're recording this on Friday, so we will we'll know the fate of both of your teams by the time this airs. But uh, as of right now, you're both very chipper, still very much alive in the rugby league finals race, and very confident. So let's take that energy and use it for good. Em, would you like to go first or second? Um, let's go first so that everyone remembers that, you know, Pam's results more than mine later. (laughs) All right. Um, question one, which team that missed the finals scored the most points this year? Scored the most points. So didn't have the 
it, it's not obviously ninth place because that's not a accrued point. the most competition points, scored the most rugby league points. Oh, in game. scored the most rugby league points. Obviously, and... ninth got the most points that didn't make the final. Well, sorry, the question's very straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> You're meant to be on my side here, Campo. Why um, would I be on your side? Because I thought you could have like a like an arc, a story arc, and come oh around. Oh my to the god! Good guys. Shut up! Jesus I know. Christ. Sorry, answer I'm please please answer the question. Um, scored the most points and did not make the finals. Um, I have absolutely no idea. Uh, let's go with the South Sydney Rabbitohs. I don't know here. Sorry, that's not correct. Pam, did you know that one? Um, I don't know if I did. Is it? Is it North Queensland? It's the Parramatta Eels. What? Yeah. Yep, zero for one. Yeah. That's okay. That's you, got right. a multi- That's... you got a multiple choice though. That was multiple in, in fairness, That is one. That is one of the tougher ones because, yeah. like, who's who's studying the ladder after That's the true. finals have already started? You know. That's fair. I, I even had to think about like the other what nine teams in the competition. That's and true. You've never. Drew... You to be fair, you've never had to think outside the top eight ever never, in your life. Never. So. Never. All right. No, multiple choice. Which NRL club has the best golden point record? Is it the Broncos, the Bulldogs, or the Storm? Uh, I'm going to go with the Bulldogs. Bang. There we go. One point on the board. All right. That I am redeemed. Because Didn't if get bageled. Yeah. If I score 33% of Harry Ramage's score, I'm above average. I'm really happy with that. That's great. <laughs> one, that's the worst score so far is one. No yeah. one's got a zero. So, all right. Of the NRL stadiums used in 2023, aside from Stadium Australia, which is the biggest? Aside from Stadium Australia. Which is the biggest stadium that was used for the NRL in 2023. Uh, we're talking about capacity, seating capacity? Yeah. Correct. Okay. We're, uh, not talk- we're not talking about like cubic height, no. <laughs> Volume? <laughs> I don't know. I've heard some of the other questions. That's fair. But... That's fair. No, it's important uh, to clarify. I yes. really hope I don't get tripped up by the capacity of um, Mount Smart, but I think it'd be Suncorp. I don't know here. Walked right makes, into the trap. If it makes right you feel no, 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 no. It's a, it's the other Sydney Stadium. It's the no, new it's one. Not, oh, it's not. God, this what? Is... Am, if it makes you feel any better, Campo got this one wrong too. Pam, do you know? It's the only, uh, of yeah, the, of I the, do. Of the last it, two rounds, it's the only one I got yeah. wrong. It is Perth Stadium. That is right. 60, there were games in Perth? There's a double header there, mate. Double header in Perth. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It was the day our season died. It was awful. All right. Question four. Only two teams have appeared in multiple grand finals and never won one. Can you name one of them? Two teams have appeared in multiple grand finals and never won one. Never won one. Um, shit, who's never won one? Uh, and I only need to name one of the two. Only one. And we're going all the way back through all history. This is not just NRL yes, era. Since 1908. Okay. Uh, New Zealand. Correct. Two hey. out of four. Do you know the other one? Uh. No, if you got the so. other one, I would have been shocked. Okay, well, um, the other one's going to be a team that doesn't play Correct. anymore. Correct. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> it's not going to be like Glebe or something. It is Glebe. It is Glebe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they played in four of them, I think, or didn't win them. Anyway. How, how can I not remember what happened this year? But yeah, I can, but you yeah. remember stuff that happened 70 years before you were born. Nice. Okay, question five. So this is for three out of five to equal Harry Ramage. Oh, fuck. Tegan Barry scored four tries in a loss, but which mm. NRLW player scored four tries in a win? Uh, this season? Yes. No. Yes. Uh, who scored four? 
I want to say Tamika, but I don't think it's her. Um, this is compelling radio. I'm so sorry to okay. everyone who has to listen to my my gears like tick Take over. Take your time. Head. Take your time. Um, Take your time, but also like hurry. Take, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. There's there's a nice push from Nick Hampton that I was waiting for. <laughs> uh, four tries. Mm. Damn, 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 damn. Four uh, tries. It is many. Many tries, and it won't be Tamika actually upon second thought. Um, but it's probably a Novocastrian because the scores are not usually that high. Um, I'm going to go total specky, and I don't think it's right at all, but I'm going to go Yasmin Clydesdale. I don't know here. Do you know that one, Pam? Yeah. Is it is it Mele Hufunga? It sure it is. Sure is. Ah, Has Yasmin Clydesdale scored four career tries? <laughs> Scored like two last night. A couple this year, yeah. Yeah. Well, put some respect on her name, Campo. She's a good player, just not a noted try scorer. That's all. Uh, According to the 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 stats that I pulled up, by the way, there's two four try hauls this year, and only one ever in the NRW before that. So there you go. Yeah, Polina Simon, all the way back in 2018. Yeah, I would not have gotten that. No, that's a good thing that wasn't the question. All right, two out of five M. Two could be enough on other on previous rounds. So you never know. You never know. But a good effort. Pam, are you ready? Okay, yeah. I'm nervous. Yeah. Which team that missed the finals conceded the fewest points? Um, Oh, it's not going to be the Cowboys and it's not going to be Para. Uh, Was it Souths? It was Souths. That's a good get. That's a good get. She's on the board. All right, that means we've got through all four quarterfinals. No one got zero. So I'm very proud of everyone for participating. I wouldn't say I'm proud, but I but probably less shame. feel like, le- like a little bit less shame. Okay, good. <laughs> Question two. Who scored the first ever try in Golden Point? This is multiple choice. Nigel Vungana, Scott Minto, or Joan Alavau? They were oh, the first yeah. three men to do it. That's why I picked those three guys. Okay. This is absolutely just a guess because I don't know this. Um, I think you put, I don't know, Scott Minto's a bit of a red herring there. Well, they're literally the first three guys to do it. Uh, Nigel Wangana? I don't know here. Oh. It was Joe Nullivau. I love <laughs> Excuse me of being tricky and putting a red herring. They're why quite literally. Joe Nullivau, why else would Joe Nullivau be there? I, what do you mean, why would he be there? No, they no, were the no, first no. I three... mean, like, if he, if he wasn't. If he wasn't one of the first. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 Well, that's you know? the case for like, all three of them. The, that, yeah. That's the one that stands out. It was right there for you, Pam. Well, oh, I don't know if they need to stand out again. Again, but... they were all, they all did it. So I don't know if one stands out more than the other two. You're awfully defensive about it. Are you sure? Well, I'm, I just want to make sure I just, people, uh, I just want to make sure people might. don't think I'm trying to trick Pam. Turning to, it back to on help my best friend M. Sprouster win. No, I'm Team Pam now. Go Pam, exactly. go Pam, go Pam. <laughs> All right, Pam, question three. One out of two so far. Of the NRL stadiums used in 2023, which one is the oldest? Um, the, the SCG. Bang. Another very good get. Good. Another work, very Pam. good get. I tripped up and said the Gabba when Campbell yep. asked me that question. SCG's like 170-something years old. I honestly forgot they played games there. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the, that's the trick. That was yep. the trick. All right, Pam. Question four. This is for the win. Mm-hmm. Only one team has appeared in multiple grand finals and never lost. Who is it? Come on now. Oh, no. It's the Newcastle Knights. Pam Whaley through to the semifinals. Oh. 
I got crushed. Can you well keep, going, keep going? Keep going. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, she you gets, get the last question going. anyway. Yeah, if she gets one more, she's she's beaten Top Harry. scorer. All yeah, right. Keep going. Some, some nights on nights violence for the so, final. Damn, this is question five. Okay. Michaeli Ravalawa scored four tries in a loss, and Dom Young scored four tries in a draw. Name me one of the two players who did it in a win. Oh, I know this one. Do you actually? I think I do. Okay. I don't think I do know this one. Let me think about it. Can you repeat the question? Yeah, so four guys scored four tries this year. One of them lost. One of them drew. Give me one of the two winners. Mm. Precious completely off. You've already won. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, Asako? I don't know here. Em, do you know who it is? Oh, I said it so confidently before, and now I don't know. You really did. I know, because my, my first thought was um, uh, Xavier Coates, but... Could have had DWZ or Will Warbrick. So, mm. Pam, three out of five. M two out of five. I think that's the highest combined score so far. Five so out should, of ten. Should we knock out whoever won between Jack Brady and Ben You have Wales? been agitating for me to just kick Pam, Ben out really, and let both really, of you through really since really the start like of this competition. I would really well, like that, but whichever one of those idiots won, let, earned it fair and square. You know? No, let's cheat, Campo. Let's cheat. This is <laughs> yes. too visible, though. Everyone yeah, I was going to say, if there's, one way, if there's one way to cheat, it's to do it publicly and broadcast it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was waiting for the question, how many NRL teams are there? Like, that that's the level that I wanted to play at. Well, I should know? have gone for the question that both of you have probably been asked at pubs by men several times, which, oh, you watch a bit of footy, do you? Oh, name every player. Let's yeah. go. Oh, you do? Well, do you even know the rules? Do you remember this, remember this <laughs> tribe? Gambo, no. right, delete this entire recording. We're coming back with 10 really chauvinistic questions to ask both of them. <laughs> All right. M moves on. M, a great effort. But you can put round of eight competitor in your, in your Twitter bio. Raise the, raise the banner. Raise the banner. <laughs> Australian that, mini Taylor Swift, comma, round of eight right. champion. All right. Thank you. So, oh, <laughs> round uh, of eight participant. <laughs> well, Anne, since this, this is uh, the last time we'll hear from you, unless the Storm at the grand final, what's your grand final prediction? Uh, not the Storm. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, this that could already be true by the time people hear this. But anyway, thank you both very much. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Guys, thank you for having me. A high quality quiz. It was. It was. It was good to see... Uh... The standard lift just a little bit. Do we have a uh, semi-final or round of four matchups? Yes, set? it's yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, Benny Quags with Scott Bailey and uh, an all Newcastle affair between Harry Ramage and Pam Whaley. So wow, no love lost there. Absolutely not. The, but, battle, uh, the, ba- the battle of the Hunter and the battle the of Ho- um, the Hobart, the Hobart MacArthur. Well, they're both Dem-tante. south. Hey? south of, they're both south of. Well, everywhere south of somewhere except exactly. the North Pole. Whoa, mind blown. I know, right? Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. No, we got the two semis this week. Um, Well, sorry, the other semi on Friday. We'll have the, uh, sorry, semi on Friday, other semi on Monday when we wrap up the prelims. And then we'll have, I think we'll do a standalone show on probably Wednesday or Thursday for the final. So, yeah, that's right. right. For for grand final week, we'll have the Boom Rookies traditional uh, seven show. or We'll have a show every day. Yeah. Show every day from Sunday or Monday. All the way mm-hmm. to game day. It's going to That's be great. Right. We're going to have a wonderful time. It's going to be good. Finals footy. There's nothing like it. Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh, no, it's Simi Redradra. Redradra's away. Simi Redradra. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will. Yes. Simi Redradra. Oh, he's absolutely buried it. 
Okay, anytime I open up a story and see the words, Penrith boss Brian Fletcher says, I know I'm in for a good time. <laughs> and he was back at it again today, suggesting that uh, Brisbane should not be allowed to host their finals game at Suncorp because Penrith aren't allowed to host their finals game at their suburban shithole that holds 15 people. Where where does he want Brisbane to play instead? That did was he, my main question. That? Uh, Melbourne, I believe. <laughs> What a joke. He would like Brisbane to play on a barge in the middle of the Pacific there Ocean. There can't be anyone who's not acting in extremely bad faith that is presenting these as sincere points, right? There can't be. The the thing the thing is, like, there is nowhere else for Brisbane to play. It's not as if Brisbane play in a 20,000-seat stadium all the time or anything like that, and then are getting some special boost. Like, this is this is this is just a fact of life. And you can whinge and say it's fair, but like, mate, life's not fair. It's also you know? like it's not like they're asked, it's not like Pen- Penrith are still playing in Sydney. They've just been exactly, moved yeah. to moved to Homebush because uh, again, yeah. their stadium holds eighteen thousand people. And if they wanted to play somewhere that was closer to Penrith, they could have played it at Bankwest, but they declined that opportunity because they wanted to play at ANZ Stadium so they could get a feel for it in case they in case they make the grand final. Which yeah, so what what's your gripe here, Brian? I don't, I don't know. know. I, 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 I never I know what know. this and, dude is crying about. But mate, and like whinging, whinging about home finals is for a club like Penrith. I think it's really unbecoming. You know what I mean? Whinging like, about surely, anything surely is unbecoming if you're them. You've won a about. thousand comps in a row. You win yeah. every game every year for like four years now. Stop complaining about things. Yeah. So, yeah. But Brisbane should have to play on the Gold Coast for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, why? What's. Why on earth would you do? Why would we do that? Doesn't make any sense. I don't know. Do you we... know, I love I love old footy things, and I like old footy things that are archaic and like kind of stupid. Well, yes. Um, and I have a great fondness in my heart for those times when they used to play every final Raiders Warriors O three at Sydney Football Stadium. It's fantastic. But that is a thing that we have left in the past, and that's where it should stay. You yeah. know, like what are we doing here? What yeah, and there's no, there's no reason. There's absolutely just, there's just, it's so stupid. There's no reason for them to play anywhere else. I don't. What I is, don't. what is the the dumbest possible combination of teams that could play at a neutral venue? Like, oh, like if they made like South's Roosters play at Suncorp. <laughs> well, <laughs> I remember in twenty in twenty sixteen, for some reason they didn't classify canberra stadium as like a regional center or whatever so if canberra had beaten the sharks in that first week of the finals they would have played the their home prelim at stadium australia but we oh so they've obviously changed that since then because we they, went they, to a prelim canberra, canberra in, kicked up a stink afterwards and it got changed but as recently as 2016 terrible final scheduling decisions could still have happened you know very funny stuff it's very funny you gotta so, love it yeah, uh, Paul Alamotti and uh, Brad Schneider signing for Penrith. Yeah, so the Schneider one's kind of been in the water for a good couple of weeks now. Um, I think he'll do really, really well stepping into that Jack Cogger role. I think if I was a young half who sort of hadn't got a big shot at first grade yet, getting a run at Penrith as Cleary and Luai's backup is like a proven star-making role. You know what I mean? Like Sean O'Sullivan's parlayed into a Dolphins contract. Jack Cogger's parlayed into a Knights contract. I think both those blokes... Like O'Sullivan definitely will start next year. I think Cogger probably will, you know, and I think Schneider uh, very fundamentally sound as a player, a good defender, a pretty good kicking game who just kind of needs a little bit of that polish, you know? And I think, 
I know, you know, we probably don't have a lot of listeners who are watching the Super League all the time. I'm not watching the Super League all the time, but he's gone over to Hull KR and he's been fantastic over there. He took him to a Challenge Cup final, set up another couple of tries just this morning in a, in a match. I think it was against Huddersfield or something like that. I think it's clear that he's got something. And if you have something, Penrith are going to help you find it, which is why I think Alamotti is a great signing for them too. I don't know what's happened to him at Canterbury because at the start of the season, he was like the prince. Like he was someone that we'd been hearing about for a good couple of years, you know, local junior, great through the, through the lower grades for him. Someone that a, a lot of people at the club had a really, really high opinion of. And then it just kind of changed. Everything sort of flipped. Like he got linked with a move to North Queensland, but it seemed pretty clear that at the very least he was out of Canterbury and now he's going to the Panthers and oh my God, the Panthers have signed a young player with a lot of talent and a whole lot of upside. I wonder what's going to happen here. It's frustrating that dogs fans had such high hopes for both him and Avarillo and they're both just gone within yeah. 12 months. And like, like Alamotti had some ups and downs this season, but he it was his first year in first grade. Of course there's going to be ups and downs. You know, of course there's, of, of course there's going to be struggle. He's, he's a 19 year old playing his first year of first grade. You know, so I don't know. I don't know why Canterbury soured on him, um, but I do, I think it's a really good pickup for Penrith because with them losing guys like Stephen Crichton and and all of that to 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 other clubs because you know there's only so many stars they can keep at 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 Penrith. The key now becomes finding cheaper guys that you can come in, coach up for a couple of years, and sort of fill those gaps. Mm. And I think Brad Schneider, Dane Laurie, and um. Paul Alamotti would be a good recruitment class for like just about any club in the league, let alone the best club in the league who is shooting for their third straight premiership. Yeah. So a great, great bit of business from them. Maybe, maybe whinging about home finals is the key. Maybe, maybe. that's what we all need to which, do. More uh, because, which uh, club, it works for them. Which club is going to give Brad Schneider an absolute bag a year from now? When um, he plays well in the origin period. I don't know. South, Mate, South. Sydney. Yeah. yeah. South. That's a great, yeah, that'd be good. You gotta love a headgear halfback too. That's good stuff. I absolutely do. Yeah. Yep. What okay. position is it is it funniest to see wearing headgear? Oh it, mm, I feel like it's is it it has to, like but Brian Toto makes it seem normal now, but I would have said wing. I, I think it's still wing. Okay. I okay. think it's still wing. I think all hookers should wear headgear. That is a, a headgeared position. Yep. But the funniest Shout player to see Swain. wearing headgear is wingers. Shout out no. Richard Swain. Yeah. Yep. But, um, yes, I agree. Jovan Clark also was a headgeared winger back in the day. Well, that was only because he weighed 13 kilograms. He was not a big boy. He had to to get some padding on. That's right. Okay. All right. We're going to get out of here. Before we do, a quick thank you to the people in the top two tiers on our Patreon subscription service. Go to patreon.com forward slash and we've been rookies to support us. Get a third show every week. Get access to our Discord server entry into next year's Coltrane Cup and plenty more. So thank you too. Chris Abnell, Dave, Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Wayno the Old Coot, Alex Sergicomi, Bruce the Pom, Butsy, Chivaka Snuffleupagus, Dan Cullinan, Death, Taxes, and Reese Walsh cramping up after scoring a sick try. Do it for Stacey Jones. They did. Doc Hogg, an anonymous backer, Ed Burton, Frankie. I also went to school with Bungard. I'm not reading that one. Jesus Christ, have some decorum, you absolute grub. Jace Felix Farmworth, Jason, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon, kicks outside of the comp, Lachlan Hancock, Ladrick, lifelong Dolphins fan, Luke Charles Smidmore, Mads, Taylor's version, make Adokar great again, Matthew Duggan, Michael, a boom, boom, boom. Let me hear you say, way Wayo. Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins. My name is Matt Bungard, and I know skill moves are more important than weak foot. My name is Matt Bungard, and I love Taylor Swift. My ding, ding, dong is hard, and I'm sad. Never trendy. Hansa Z, Einz, Vi, Gutspielen. 
Pat McManus, Pete Fulcher, premierships are built on bricks and make a wish art tries. Reese Brown, Roxanne Clark, Scores wants Stuart Sack, see you in Vegas, Shanta Ty. Thank you to Chris Abnell, Dave, Rocky Ruffy, you <laughs> piece of shit. The Black Vegetable, Thor, Tom Hardy, was and Westlife's podcast and the Pasco Hope fiasco. Thank you so much for your support. Everyone loyal tears and everyone just listens. Thank you as well. The name game is, again, very strong from everybody. Good work. Shout out to dear friend of the show, Jack Brady, who asked yesterday, what was the name that Bungard wouldn't read out? <laughs> if anyone else was confused about that, that is someone changing their name to, I'm not reading that one, Jesus Christ, have some decorum. You're Outstanding. We get it. We get it. We're getting meta with the Patreon shout Yeah, we are. Shout out to Hurlston alum David Tang, who did also go to school with Bungard. Big Eels fan. So Good for him. Good for yeah. him. Um, I have a bit more news that I just want to tack on the end okay. of the show. Um. Sure. It's grand final season at the minute. You know, there's country footy grand finals being played everywhere over the last couple of weeks. Um, so I just want to shout out a few of those teams. I want to shout out the Tumut Blues who won out in Group 9. I want to shout out the Woolgulga Seahorses who got it done against the South Grafton Rebels in Group 2. I want to shout out the Old Bar Pirates who beat Port Macquarie in the Group 3 decider. I want to shout out the Queen Bee and Roos who won the Canberra Raiders Cup 34-6 to over Tuggeranong with captain coach Sam Williams. And uh, veteran prop Sia Soliola both playing blinders. Shout out to the Cudgeon Hornets who won the first grade and reserve grade in the Northern Rivers comp, despite not having a clubhouse, a leagues club, dressing sheds, demountables, a scoreboard, or a PA system because they all burnt down during COVID. Shout out to Jeringong beating Shell Harbour in the Group Seven Grand Final. I really loved the interview that uh, Tyron and Rod Wishart gave together after the game on Friday night. It was very clear how stoked they both were, and I was really happy when Tyron Wishart wished everyone at Jeringong. All the best in their grand final. That's really good shit. Shout out to North Tamworth Bears up in Group 4, who won their eighth straight title. And shout out to Scone in Group 21, who won their fourth straight title. Shout out to Thoreau Butchers winning in the All-Aura Comp. Shout out to Maitland up in Newcastle. Reverse shout out to Thelmy, who beat Camden in the Group 6 grand final. I have hated Thelmy since I was 10 years old, and I always, always will. I thought you won. No, we didn't. So... I was keeping, I was, I was at Bungard's birthday thing yesterday, so I wasn't able to be at Campbelltown Stadium for the game. But... I was following it on um, the Play Rugby League website and it showed me the score and it said full time and it had Canberra, uh, Canberra, had Camden. Yeah, up. I was going to say, you definitely said we won. It, well, it said full time on it. Okay. It said full, well, it said that's full not your time fault. I, I promise you because I showed no, it. No, I believe to, you. Yo, you I showed said it to you, Pup yeah, as yeah. well. Um, and then like 10 minutes later, I got a text from someone saying, fuck, we lost. And I checked it again and it still said full time, but now Thelmy was up. So, oh. well, tough fuck Thelmy. Yeah, Curtis Scott scored a double for Thelmia. Tim Simona had a big game for him. Mm. The Rams denied back-to-back premierships. Tough times. But country footy is the best, and grand final country footy is probably the best kind of footy that there absolutely is. So if you ever get a chance to go to one or if you ever get a chance to sort of help out with your local club if you're in a country area like that, I really, really encourage you to do so because you'll get so much more out of it than you put into it. And clubs like that are really, really important for the, a lot of young people in those areas. I wouldn't be the person I am today without the some of the things I learned and some of the experiences I had playing at Camden. And um, bush footy is perpetually doing it tough. So if you ever get a chance to support your local club, I really encourage you to do so. Yeah, do it, you jerks. All right. <laughs> We're going to get out of here. Say goodbye, Campo. Goodbye, Bertrand. That's goodbye from me. <laughs>